You know, I really love the Word of God, and I think the Word of God can change your life. What you're about to hear today is one of those life-changing messages that I believe inspires people. It's down-home, what I call down-home grits, and helpful. So enjoy today's message, and watch it change your life. Everybody say, deciding, deciding. To, be to be tenacious. Tenacious is a powerful word that I think has a great impact on all of our lives. Everybody has to make a decision how they want to live their life. And it's really easy to be passive and to just accept things. I want to show you a guy in the Bible who was tenacious. His name was Jeremiah. Now, we've talked about two guys so far. The first guy we talked about was a guy named Noah and how he tenaciously built an ark for 120 years. And how he labored and worked. And the end result was amazing for his family. Tragic for the world. But sometimes you can't save everybody. That's a hard reality. Uh, if you're a student and you're in college, here's what I, I, I promise you will happen. People that start with you in your freshman year. Some of the funniest, cutest guys, cutest girls, whatever. They will not finish. Their cuteness will be the reason. They're into cute, handsome, strong, macho, but they don't study. They don't apply themselves. They think they're going to graduate because they're cute, but they're going to fail because they focus on cuteness and not their work. When you start out in a company, you're going to see people come in with you in orientation, and they will be your friends. But you look at them come to work late, miss deadlines, have attitudes, constantly complain about the company. Now that they're working for it, they're the smartest one in the company. And those people will have a short career. That's what you will see if you live long enough. You have to make a decision to be different. And different in a way that's unrelenting. Will you be the same as all the people around you or will you be different? Will you allow your pain, things that have happened in your past, to control your future? Yes, that did happen to you. Fill in the blanks. I don't know what it was. But will that control you for the rest of your life? Or will you decide to be different? This theme that I've been talking about is deciding to be on fire. Coming to that passionate moment that you say, I am not, will not, cannot, must not allow myself to, 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 to watch my own fire burn out. In the life of Moses, at the end of his life, he caused his own opportunities to be less because he had a temper problem. Couldn't get a hold of his temper. And the Lord said, you can't go into the promised land because of it. You don't get a pass because you're nice. I don't get a pass because I'm Pastor Rick. I have to understand that what I do matters and I can lose everything. And Jeremiah, the prophet, speaks to the people of God and he says, I have a message for you. And it's a painful message. And when he delivered that message, people didn't like him. And so he comes to this point of frustration. Let me show you where he says some incredible words. The words that probably are the most famous words he uses. This guy, this guy says something that's phenomenal. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20, verse 9. He said, I will not make mention of him referring to God, nor speak anymore in his name. I'm quitting. I'm tired. I've had enough pressure. People uh, harassing me. 
attacking me physically. And so he said, I quit. But then the Bible said, but read this with me, please. Look at verse, uh, two, verse 9. But his what? Word was in my where? Hard like a what? Burning fire shut up where at? In my bones. That's that fire in the bones thing. It says like fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back. And I could not. He tried to not prophesy, but he talked to people and said, thus saith the Lord. Just, just kind of come out. He couldn't help himself. Because in his heart was a fire. Is there a fire in you? Is there a fire in your heart? Is there a fire in your mind? Are you the kind of person who is clear, determined, unrelenting, tenacious, committed to changing your life? Now, I'm going to tell you, those are the people that win. The most tenacious, the most determined. If you're not that kind of person, then the question becomes, how much can you take? Are you at your max? Can God put anything else on your plate? Are you the, are you the person who says, I'm there, I'm, at the, I'm, I'm finished. There's no more pressure, Lord. Don't, don't, don't even ask me. <laughs> oh, man. How much more abuse can you take? How many times have you said, I will, Lord, and then you don't do it, right? How much time have you invested? How much money have you spent? And how in the world... Can you deal with those who have decided not to do right, but they're in your life and you're under this pressure? That's what Jeremiah's life was like. He'd invested time, money, resources, and he wasn't making headroom with these people. So what do you do? This guy's life is amazing. There is an image that, I, that came to my mind the other day that helped me understand how Jeremiah was a lot like me. And his story is one that I can relate to. So let me see if I can get you to relate to his story. The first thing is he had to deal with abuse. Can you say that with him, please? Say he had to deal with abuse. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 1 describes it. Now, Pashur, the son of Emur, the priest who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. What things? Well, he, chapter 1 of Jeremiah up to chapter 19 is brutal. And these chapters, if I were to summarize them, it goes like this. He's talking about their mama, their cousins, their nephew. All of them are going to be enslaved. Everybody's going to have a hard life. He gives these horrible prophecies. He even talks about his own family. He says his family betrayed him. He goes through this long list of things. And he says, this is why God's going to send you guys into captivity. And they don't like it. The guy Pashur hears about it. Verse 2 says, Pashur struck Jeremiah, the prophet, and put him in stocks. Now, think about this for a minute. You do what God tells you to do and things don't work out. This is a confusing moment. And so when the guy strikes him now, that doesn't just mean hit him. You think it would mean that, right? The Bible knowledge commentary is in your notes. I highlight that he really was talking about what they call a whipping. The many, the 40, the 40 stripes they gave him. Deuteronomy chapter 25 talks about this. And this was the second, first of two times they did this to him. In chapter 37, Verse 15, they whipped him again. So they stretched him out and gave him 40 lashes. That's what they did. So here's a guy going through this kind of challenge. And you think that when Jeremiah goes through this, you know, you kind of can understand, well, this is why he quit. You know, what, what kind of job do you want where you get beat up all the time? You get locked up all the time for telling the truth. The nation had gone astray from God. and He was simply saying the truth. 
But they didn't understand that and didn't care. And so what happens? He's locked up. Well, chapter 20, verse 3, shows that even though he was locked up, time he was free, he went back to prophesying. And he prophesies against the guy who slapped him. Now look at chapter 20, verse 3. It says, and, and it happened on the next day. What day was it? So he just gets out of being locked up in the stocks, right? He just gets, gets to get beaten. His back is still sore. It's, it's just scabbing over. He comes out and he says these words. Watch this. It says, uh, Pashur, on the next day, uh, and it happened on the next day that Pashur brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. That Jeremiah said to him, the Lord has not called you your name Pashur, but he, he's going to rename you. And what he, his name is basically going to mean you're going to be a terror on every side. Your name is not going to be what it is anymore, Pastor. Now, I, the first thing I think about, okay, listen, listen. The boy just beat you down. Why would you, the day after, time you see him again, you're going to say something else? Well, keep reading. Watch what happens. Jeremiah lays out three things that are going to happen to this guy. Three things. He says, number one, you're going to suffer, the city is going to suffer, and your family is going to suffer. Uh, you know, you just wonder, is he going to beat you again? Well, legally, they weren't allowed to beat him again. So you knew, you, could, you know, they had limits in terms of the law, how many times they could hit you. And 40 was the max. So he said, well, since you gave me the max, let me tell you what I think. <laughs> Verse 4. But thus says the Lord, this is number one. He said, <clears throat> he said um, thus says the Lord, behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies, and your eyes shall see it. I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive to Babylon and slay them with the sword. So, guy, your life's going to be terrible. Then number two, the city you're in is going to suffer. Moreover, I will deliver all the earth of this, of this city. I will deliver all the wealth, rather, of this city, all this produce, and all this precious things, all the treasures of the kings of Judah, I will give into the hand of their enemies who will plunder them, seize them, and carry them to Babylon. The city's going to suffer, you're going to suffer, and then your family's going to suffer. Verse, verse uh, 6. And you, Pasher, and all who dwell in your house shall, be, shall go into captivity. You shall go to Babylon, and there you shall die and be buried there, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. Now, listen for a second, for a moment. Now, follow me. There's two things I want you to think about. And I didn't say this in any of those services. It just came to me just now. <clears throat> the reason God did this is because he wanted him to understand the danger of family suffering because of your choices. You do something and it leaks over to your entire family for generations. A lot of what you're seeing today is generational with our children and crime. These are your kids. Those are just your cousin. F members of my family have committed crimes and gone to jail. And some of them earned it. I can't deny that because they're related to me. And, I, and we can all act like we don't know, but if you were to trace some of it, not all of it, but some of it, you could say, I knew that boy was headed for trouble. I knew that girl was headed for trouble. I knew that. And this is what Jeremiah is saying. The nation has gone astray from God, and now the nation's in trouble. And he says, you're going to be a terror to yourself. Your life's going to fall apart for sure. The city we're in is going to fall apart. 
And then he said, your family is going to fall apart. That's hard prophesying. Now, here's what I think is important. You may not get this. Not really. Here's why. You've never seen this in your life. You can look at marriage from the outside. You can have all kinds of opinions about it. But ain't nothing like crossing the bridge. When you jump the broom, it might make you want to jump back. <laughs> Say, bring that broom back out here. I got to jump back and cross that broom. That broom, man. Woo. Wow. Marriage is great, but it is not for children. You will grow up real fast on the wedding night. You'll grow up real fast, quick, in a hurry. So we don't understand what we just read, I don't think. Not really. you you got to have something taken from you. Here's what he was saying to them. They're going to take everything you have. So let's bring it to you today. Here's what would happen. If they came in here, they took everything, your clothes. They They said, you're no longer married to him. You're married to this dude. They took you from your spouse. They took your children, your daughters. They took everything you have. Your Nintendo, your car. You can't even drive it away from here anymore. They now own your car. They got the keys to your house. They have everything in your bank accounts. That's what he's saying in this story. You're going to lose everything. You're not going to be a nurse anymore. You're going to be a maid. You're not going to be a doctor anymore. You're not going to be, you're not going to be what you want to be. You're not teaching school. You now are going to train animals. That's what I want you to be. I want you to be an animal trainer. You're kind of in that already a little bit, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is just something you feel that way, right? I'm sorry. That's terrible. That's terrible. It's bad. You influenced me. You're a teacher here, though. I'm not talking to you. No. Jacking me off here. But, but, but you get my point. You know, there's that moment when you imagine for a minute that somebody walks up to you and has that kind of power. Now, here's why you know that's not going to happen. You ready? Two things. Number one, you call 911 first. You call 911 and these people in uniform will run to your house and they'll rescue you and save you from these bad people. And if they can't take care of them, they'll just go across the fence. You know, we're right by a military base. And there's some people over there, some hoos, that will, will mount up. Oh, let me tell you, they'll rack up real fast. And they'll be here with the weapons and they will end all of that discussion. There will be no taking over Savannah today. Oh, on what? They'll come to air to see. They'll come all kind of ways. And you say, I told you don't mess with me. See? That's because you got an army. But it's not like that everywhere in the world. You know, when you hear words like refugee, you don't get that. Because you don't know any. If you don't know a refugee, it's a news report to you. You've never been <clears throat> an immigrant. At least not in your lifetime, most of you. You don't know what it's like to run from a place. You're not going to Guatemala. You're not going to Nicaragua. You're not going to some of these places. You're not going there for vacation, are you? Not going. Is that your vacation plan? No. You're going to stay safe. You're going to stay on this side of the news. So opinions and views are oftentimes not tied to anything you can measure. So your opinions, it's so funny, a friend of mine, I love this comment from one of my friends says, you're the only people in the world I know who watch the news about yourself. You spend hours looking at yourself. 
You rarely watch international news, and when you do, it's boring to you. The rest of the world is boring to you. You have a view that's skewed because of your lack of experience. When I was at the friends and friends of mine, and we were together, and they started speaking Spanish at the table. And I, I, I was new. I didn't quite knew. I had been around a lot of cross-language. And I remember, um, I didn't understand. But, but all you got to do is go someplace where you're trying to communicate concepts. And some concepts are harder to communicate in one language than in another. And so words don't always match the same. And so sometimes they'll say, well, how do you say, how do you say, how do you say? It's not until you try to speak Portuguese. It's not until you try to speak another language. And because Americans are mainly one language people, Europeans are a little bit different because they're forced because France is right, right, right over here, Germany is right over here. They're forced to interact across languages more than we are. And if we're not careful, we don't understand. So when you go a place and a person can't quite speak the language, you get a little bit of an attitude. I wish to God you can go any place where they don't speak your language. And you're trying to order from a menu. And you're just trying to get around. Get a cab. <laughs> just get a cab. My wife and I were someplace. I, we didn't know the cabs were gone when we came out to this place. And, and, um, and oh boy, just getting a cab. Trying to say where you're going. Look real dumb. It's a good feeling to be that dumb. Can't catch the train. Don't know how to read the signs. Because you can't read Greek. You can't read Hebrew. You don't know what to say. You got to switch places. You can't think from your advantage. Let me say that again. You can't think from your advantage. If you think from your advantage, you miss the point. What's it like to be a wife with all the, the household responsibilities after work, the kids and the cleaning? And Be the wife. Switch places. Do like I did. I told Diane, Diane, you need me to take that over. You don't know how to keep these clothes really clean, baby. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you what to do, girl. I did this. I did this. I took over. It changed my life. I switched places. Because, you know, how many of you know laundry could be the devil? Raise your hand. The devil. <laughs> devil. Never done. Never done. I've told this before, but I took over the laundry. And I said, you need to get a big ironing board. You need to get your, I did all, I got all these little tools. I want to make sure how to do it. Because we just, laundry is the devil. It wasn't long, man. It was about a week. If that long, I was the, oh my God, it was horrible. You know, and your kids, they just drop stuff on the floor. I didn't care before I did it. <laughs> but once I was in charge, you put that back on again. You need to put that back. <laughs> I'm not lying. You know, you start, let me say, no, that ain't that bad. Y'all can wear that again. Put that back. It is not, it is not that bad. Now, that is not. You only wore that one time. You know, emotionally, man, you start, I thought, and you know what? You know, it, it, I, became, I changed. And I hired some help. Jesus' name. <laughs> what? I said, baby, you need some help. This is horrible. 
But I also became more conscious and I started chipping in more and doing more. Come on, say switch places. You didn't say it loud enough. Come on, say switch places. Switch places. Be the kid you're yelling at. I'm going to beat you. Be that person. Let somebody get you backed up like that. Cuss yourself out in the mirror and see how it feels. I'm sorry. Don't do that. <laughs> you ought to see how you feel. Call yourself them names. You are a black and a black and your mama black. Just go for it right with just you. And then ask yourself, how do you feel now? Do you feel edified, inspired, motivated? No, you don't. These people were told they're going to lose everything. And that's why they beat him. That's why they were mad with him. But I'm impressed with this guy as I close with four things. And there's more I can say about this guy, but there's four things I want to say in conclusion. Four things that I want to point out that, that impressed me about Jeremiah. One is I'm impressed by his passion. His passion impresses me. This is a guy who is impressive. He, he has a desire that stands out to me in a way that is incredible. He eventually is killed for this. They kill him. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36, they stone him eventually. He's one of those guys mentioned in Hebrews 11, 36 through 37. Tradition says they stoned him. He prophesied one time too many, and they just killed and stoned him. I know, you know, I didn't know they still do that today in Afghanistan, places like that, in some parts of the world. Uh, wow. Secondly, I'm impressed, and this is one of the big points to me, of his acceptance that some things would never change. In Jeremiah chapter 21, there's this discussion he has with the king, because the king comes to him and says, hey, listen, Jeremiah, okay, you've been prophesying, well, don't we consider going to God and praying and asking God to forgive us? Maybe God can give us a second chance. Maybe, you know, it's another opportunity. And in, in chapter 21, you get this real rawhide picture of, of this guy. Now remember, chapter 1 through chapter 19, he lists all these things that were wrong with the nation. Their mama, the, the disobedience, idol worship, and, and, they, and they, when the guy heard about it, he comes, he, he punishes him, and then now later on, they decide to talk to Jeremiah and say, can you pray for us? Maybe God. And he, and he says, no. It's not going to change, guys. This is hard. Listen to this. He said, behold, this is chapter 29, verse 10, 21, I'm sorry, verse 10. Here's what he tells him. It shall be given, your land shall be given to the hand of, of Babylon. It, referring to their land, shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. No, it's all gone. It's too late. There's nothing I can do to help you. In regards to this, you've been there before. You lost this job. You may get another one, but this is this marriage is over. This one, you might in the future. But this, you know, when they walk you out that day, this is over. This. That's what he tells them. You know, it's hard to do that. I had this revelation that came to me this week. It's really, it really helped me. When you're trying to save somebody who's swimming, who's drowning, rather, drowning, 
there are two things you need to keep in mind. You ready? Number one, repeat with me, please. Say, do they want to be saved? You need to know that before you go out there. Okay? Because if you try to save them and they don't want to be saved, then they help you drown you. Here's the second thing. You ready? Are they swimming away? If they're swimming away and you're chasing them, then you get further out and now you're at risk. I need to know, do you want me to save you? That's the question. I can't hold on to you and stop you from drowning if you're determined to do drugs until you die. There's not much I can do about that. I can talk to you, but if you're determined to spend all of your money and then come to me on the 20th of every month until you die, that's your plan. You may not say it, but that's what's been happening for the last 10 months. And so the plan is for this to be a continual lifestyle you plan to stay here and pay nothing forever. You, you plan, that, you, you understand, you plan that when you get mad, you hit me, I hit you. Okay, we're going to fight. That's what you plan. That's your plan. Here's, what I, here's what's amazing. Jeremiah could say, um, <laughs> this isn't going to change. He was the guy that can say it. Can you? When it's your kids. it's your kids or your friend or when it's you when it's you this is this is what a person signs up for as a matter of fact you have a whole orientation for people when they become part of your life you borrow money you cuss them every now and then when you're mad you um you know you you just impose you call they got to stop their world and talk to you for as long as you want to talk they have to answer every text, every message. That's part of your orientation. You should, you should write it out and give it to them. Say, here, you're my new friend. Here's the rules. <laughs> here are the rules. I get to tell you about your life. I get to tell you about your husband, your children. I get to become your counselor. As part of you being my friend, you sign up for this, right? You say, no, I didn't sign up for this. Jeremiah looked at the nation and he said, you guys refuse to change. And let me tell you what's powerful. This is so hard to do. It's hard, 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 hard. One of the hardest things about success is watching people fail. One of the hardest things about achieving any kind of advantage is to watch people not have advantage. The hardest thing about being a freshman and a sophomore and a junior and a senior is all the people that will not graduate with you. They will not, listen to me, they will not walk across the stage. You know how you know? Because they won't do their work. They're too busy being cool and cute. They're never going to have anything. That's, this is a guy, this is amazing. He, he looked at the nation and said, you're not going to be free. You're going to be owned by Visa until you die. You're going to work for Visa and MasterCard, and you're going to be paying back loan sharks and title folks, and you're gonna, this is your life. And you're going to mock successful people. I hate that. Don't mock me because I comb my hair. <laughs> and your hair nappy, that's your fault. Get a comb. Don't blame me. I understand if you don't have a comb, that's one thing, okay? If you don't have an opportunity, that's one thing. But there'd be a lot of combs around. <laughs> don't mock me. 
At some point, you have to pause. And Jeremiah was the guy who could say, no, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is not going to change. I, loved, I'm, I admire, though, his acceptance of that fact. And number three, I admire his patience with religious folks. They, get on, they got on his nerves. Those are the guys who beat him. Those are the guys. One story tells how they took him and lowered him in a pit with mud in it and just left him there. Just no food. Just, just, they just did. These were religious people. And religious people could be tormenting. Some of you there are so saved. You're so holy. You're just so sanctified. Ooh, how do you feel the spirit? And you absolutely frustrate, look at the preacher for a minute, everybody you engage. Your husband said, do you love me? I love the Lord. Hallelujah. Stop all that. I didn't ask you that, woman. You love me. I'm talking about me. We demand so much. I think it's unfair. I mean, you know... (laughs) I try. I try to put up with us. But, but, but save people get on my nerves. Some of the most difficult people, you love the Lord, but you're not, you're not balanced. You're not, you, you, you act like you, you, you're not even with us. I ask you, did you pay the bill? The Lord will provide. That ain't what I asked you. <laughs> the lights are going off. They're blinking right now. Did you pay the bill? Can I say something I want to say? I'm going to get off of it and get right back on. Can I do it? Yeah. I need more help. Can I do this? Yeah. Do you know why your marriage is so jacked up? You done lost all your, all your swag. You ain't even cool anymore. You're so safe, you done lost all your, your stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know, she's not in here. <laughs> I'm working on dying all the time. I do, man. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get my game, my game strong. You know what I mean? When you, you know, when you're single, you got a game. Hey, girl, what's up? How you doing? You dress up, comb your hair. You know what I'm saying? You look right. Now you married, you done let yourself go. What you doing? And you know, no more, de- no more dating. No more. What in the world? No. No. You got to keep some cool. You got you to gotta learn how to shine your shoes. You got to learn. So you think you're cool? Yeah, I'm cool today. Absolutely. I got some sway on me a little bit. Just a little bit. I'm trying to keep a little bit. I don't care what you think. I know what I got. You know what I'm saying? And you got to keep a little bit. You done lost everything. You don't care. You don't care anymore. Why you don't care anymore? Girl, why you don't go to the beauty shop? You need to go get them toes done. Zzz, get on down there. Let it fix you up. Why have you... <laughs> Is that the part you don't like? <laughs> you got you gotta you gotta you gotta start living your life like you're alive. Some people don't want to get saved because you look like you're dying. You look like Jesus is coming today. You don't care anymore. You done lost everything. All your flair, all your everything, everything. Everything. My girl wanted to take some dance lessons. You know, she wanted to take some dance. She kept trying to tell me. And I thought, Jesus, Jesus, dancing, dancing, lessons. We got to go someplace in front of people. I'm Pastor Rick, you know. So, so she wanted to go. So we took some samba, you know, we took some lessons, you know what I'm saying? And uh, swung her around a few times. Go on, baby. That's just go. Woo! 
don't worry, I'm going to hold it back. I ain't going to let you see the real deal. But I'm just saying, man, she loved it. She loved it. She wanted to practice at the house. Then she said, when we get on the cruise boat, we're going to dance. I said, oh, Jesus. <laughs> this little light of mine. <laughs> it's not going to be shining. Oh, this little light of mine. That's why your marriage all jacked up. You done lost all that. You lost everything. Why? It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. I'm not saying you got to go dance. I'm making a point. You do, where, where is the juice? Where's the beef? Oh, my time. Jesus. Time Y'all taking me all off topic. All right. <laughs> Come on. Say his passion. His acceptance. And his patience, his religious people. I want to stop that. Number, number four, his deep concern about the condition of people. He cared about the condition of people. In the book of Lamentations, chapter 1, verse 2, listen to what he says about Israel. He says, she weeps bitterly. He saw the crying in the nation. He saw the, he saw the condition of the people weeping. Do you, do, you, do you see the weeping of people? Do you care about the poor, the people that are underprivileged? Do you care about those people? He saw the weeping in the night. He, he said her tears are on her cheeks among all of her lovers. She got all these lovers, right? She's giving herself to all this, but it's not working. Dating this when he saw the nation was going after all these other gods, her lovers, he was calling them. And then he says she has none to comfort her. All her friends deal treacherously with her. They become her enemies. Verse 3, Judah's gone into captivity, under affliction, and hard servitude. She dwells among the nations, which means she's homeless. She finds no rest. All her per persecutors overtake her, and God, she's in dire straits. That's how he saw the nation. He weep. They call him the weeping prophet. He weeped for them. He cared. And then he, he, he says this incredible thing. Really what God wants to happen, Jeremiah 3.22 is this. He says, he says I, want, I want you to return, you backsliding children. And I will heal your backsliding. I want to restore you. He said, if you will return in chapter 4, verse 1, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And, and if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall be moved. Jeremiah 3.22 again. Return, O backsliding children. Return. I want you to come back. His goal was to get everybody back. Backsliding is that. It's sliding backwards. Is that you? Are, are, you, are you the person who's determined and tenacious and committed, or are you sliding back? Look at the preacher. You are not where you were. You're not thinking like you used to think. You're changing. And for some of you, your changes, I'm not against streaming. I create this technology. I didn't create it. I'm, I made it available to you. <laughs> Boy, that's weird. Come on, Ricky Temple. I, we made this available to you. Our church did not so that you would disconnect. Not so that you would no longer connect. Is that what you're doing? Disconnecting? There comes a moment in your life when you must understand you decide what you want. And that's what I'm going to talk about next week. Deciding what you want. Matthew 20. My favorite place in the Bible. It was my last sermon. Before I die, this is what I teach. I go to Matthew 20 and I go to Matthew 25. Those are my two favorite places. 
Those stories are amazing. But in Matthew 20, when Jesus asked that question of the disciples, what do you want? Life was changed. Everything changed. And everything will change for you when you make that decision. What do you want? Let's all stand. Father, today in this room, there are people who need to decide what they want. Nobody can decide for them. They must decide. It's not their mother's job. It's not their brother's job. It's their job. I was nine years old. And I remember saying, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to make those decisions. I don't want to be in that kind of trouble. I remember saying that as a kid. You don't have to be a grown person. But for some of you who are grown, you need to get this point. In the Bible, there are no bad teenagers. There are no bad middle schoolers. There are no bad toddlers. The only people that are bad in the Bible are adults. Joseph's brothers were older than him, over 18. Almost everybody, everybody you see that they're dealing with that are children, Eli's sons, Samuel's sons, all of them, the sons of, uh, of Adam and Eve, Abel and Cain, those are grown people. We are making decisions as adults. We're acting in ways that are out of character. And it's time for us to realize we've been backsliding away from God. Jeremiah stands flat-footed and he looks at the nation and says, you're in trouble. And you're in trouble, not with man only. Babylon's going to come and capture and take everything you have. But you're in trouble with God. Are you in trouble with God? Are you in trouble with the living God? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for healing in every heart today. I pray that the power of the living God would touch hearts both here and at home, on demand, wherever they're watching this. And that they would say, He's telling the truth. I'm in trouble. I really have been sliding backwards. And I need to pause and get a grip on my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the first thing you can do is surrender your life to Jesus. If you want me to pray for you, right in your seat, you want to start a life with Jesus, I want you right now to raise your hand. If you Just let me know where you are. Who am I praying for? You. Who else am I praying for? You. Who else am I praying for? See you. I see you. Anybody else I'm praying for? Who else am I praying for? All right. I see you. Thank you, darling. All right. I see you. Thank you, sir. Father, I pray for all who raise their hands and some who raise their hearts. Let this be the moment, Lord God, that their lives are changed. Let this be the moment that the Spirit of God brings healing and grace. May this be the chance and the moment when their lives will never be the same. May they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. May this be that moment, I pray. And I declare in Jesus' name that this will be a turning point for them. They will say, this was the day that my life changed. The day I watched this, the day I heard this, the day I sat in that service, and I decided to give Jesus my life. And also pray, God, they leave this place and think about what I've said this week. 
What do they really want? I pray, God, that they would embrace that question this week and allow God to give them clarity in their hearts and minds. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Now look this way for a second. You know, when you hear the word of God and it inspires you, you have a chance to decide to change. You can hear a message and just hear it, or you can hear a message and apply it to your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray what they've heard today is something that they can put in their shoes and allow it to impart blessing and guidance to their life. I thank you for the power of your word and how it can change lives. And we invite you, Lord God, to take this message and change the direction of their life. In Jesus' name. My name is Ricky Temple. I pray you were blessed by it today. I'll see you next time right here as we study the word together. 